You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Ehill, the Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generational leaders. And today I got a show for you. However, I got two major housekeeping things before we jump into the show. Number one, I know I told y'all many episodes ago, but now it's live on all platforms. My debut motivational album, the Thrive Print Volume 1 released today. 15 tracks of stories, keynotes, trainings from your boy from the last two years. And man, I put a lot of time into it. Shout out to my brother, Sydney Evans, who audio engineers this podcast, who also produced my album, did all the background work, man. So shout out to my boy, Sydney Evans, for, for getting that done, man. And it's available on Tidal, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify. You can find it, man. So definitely stream or even download or buy the album. I think it's like 949, man. So buy the album, stream it, do whatever. But I pray that you enjoy and are impacted by it, man. That stuff from my heart over the last couple years. And uh, yeah, man, I've been working on it for a little while. So thank y'all for the support thus far. And I pray that y'all go cop the album. Second, I know last year around September and October time frame, we did a 30-day challenge at... And we just went on a roller coaster Monday through. And I know y'all like, yo, gee, I ain't hearing nothing about it. Hey, yo, chill out. It was an in-circle type thing. I had to bring out the kinks. But this year, we're bringing it back. When is it going to start? July 17th. This Monday. Yep, this Monday is going to start. Monday through Friday, I'm going to be sending you videos or things of that nature. So they all might not be videos. But I'll be sending you content each and every day to motivate you, pump you up, and inspire you to accomplish your goal. Also, too, we have our own platform this year, our own app. Well, everybody will be able to, to comment, to be able to update everybody on their goals, etc. So it's going to be like our own in-house community, which I'm excited for. Really, really yeah, man. So uh, we got a lot more tools and a lot more tricks of our bag. We'll be meeting either bi-weekly or weekly. We'll discuss that over this weekend with the surveys once people sign up, man. But I'm really excited about tackling some of the things that I want to tackle, but also in the community aspect. So this is for anybody out there that has a health goal, a business goal, a personal goal, relationship goal, anything you believe that can be accomplished in 30 days. Go to gregehill.com backslash 
30 day to sign up. I'm telling you, once again, it's greghill.com backslash 30 day to sign up. And you can also find it on your phone via the show notes. So every episode, whether you have an Apple device, Android device, we have our show notes available when you click on the episode and the link will be right there. So I know many of you are not by your computers. You may be driving, but you can do it all via your phone. It officially starts Monday, July 17th. Once again, you can go to greggyhill.com backslash 30 day to find more information about that. And I, I, I can't wait, man. My 30 day challenge is uh to run or walk 100 miles. And then a bonus challenge of mine is to re- complete all the audio recordings for my next book, which will be released September 24th. 2019 all right that's enough bio stuff and enough uh energy for me let's jump into this show this is a phenomenal phenomenal show from two sisters that are doing their thing in the fashion and technology industry and and they're having an event coming up pretty soon matter of fact let me get these dates on before i go because i'm gonna talk about it in the podcast but i just want to make sure that y'all got this information saturday june 29th in la at the w so you're going to find more information in the show notes, man. Enjoy this episode. I love y'all. Make sure you listen to the album. Make sure if you're working on some things, join the Third Day Challenge. We need you there. And uh, let's story begin. So let me read a snippet of their bios, and then we're going to jump right into it, right? So our first guest is a fit technology expert in the fashion technology space and the founder of Luxor & Finch Consulting. She received her undergraduate degree from North Carolina State University, College of Textiles and Fashion Product Development, and her master's in digital innovation and fit from Cornell University under the guidance of Professor Susan P. Ashdown. And in 2018, she received her certificate for digital product management, modern fundamentals from the University of Virginia. That's a lot of school and a lot of fit technology, digital stuff. I can't wait to ask about that because I didn't know they even had those majors. And since the completion of her master's, she has worked and advised numerous companies, brands, and retailers in the fit technology space. She has published over 60 articles on the matter of fit and tech, a thesis on fit and perception and curated events, and panels on the subject of fashion and fit technique technology. As a consultant, she works to resolve the pain points caused by fit through technology integration. And through Luxor and Finch Consulting, she is able to focus on integrating technology throughout the supply chain to improve fit educate brands on fit as competitive advantage and to devise sustainability solutions. Also, in the next guest, formerly of Amazon Fashion, has always worked on the cutting edge of e-commerce. Throughout her career, she noticed pipeline flaws in academia that continue in, into her corporate environment, which inspired her most recent venture, Girls in Fashion and Tech, an organization focused on education pipelines for fashion industry professionals and other creatives. In addition to her expertise in fashion and merchandising, editorial, and business development, she has also managed relationships with global manufacturing teams for one of the largest companies in the world. Her background as a supply chain management gives her a unique perspective to understand and solve the global issues we face in the industry, and she brings that interdisciplinary approach, oh, I love that word, to everything she does. She is a huge advocate for community, specifically for women of color across the fashion industry, as evident by her ability to create spaces that support collaboration over competition. She also uses that expertise to teach merchandising as an adjunct professor. And in September 2018, they both co-founded and launched the Women of Color Fashion Brunch, bringing together women of color in the fashion, tech, and finance industries for networking 
and support during New York's Fashion Week. Then in March, they launched the WTF Fashion. In short, is Will Tech Fix Fashion Podcast at South by Southwest, man. So, yo, we expecting a crazy bulky podcast from these bulky introductions, man. So I'm excited to have them on the show. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Jessica Couch and Brittany Hicks to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank having you us. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, man, I was reading that thing. I was like, yo, we're here now, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get into it, man. So first and foremost, every single guest that we have on the show, we always start off with either a quote or a mantra they live by and then a story on how they apply that quote or mantra to their everyday lives. So I guess I'll allow uh, Jessica to begin. Can you give us a quote or a mantra and then get us a story of how you apply that? Okay, so for the business, the quote is everybody deserves their perfect fit. And that came about because I felt like that in fashion, it doesn't always cater to women who are curvy or have body types that are different from the norm. So like at Luxor and Finch, that's what we champion. Like we just want everybody in general, men, women, children, whoever, no matter what your body is like, to have their perfect fitting garments. And we do that through tech and we do that through, you know, just strategy and all these different methods to try to make shopping easier and just, um, just better for everyone who is not shaped or built like a fit model. Mm, okay. I love that. I love that. What about you, Brittany? Yeah, I would have to say, um, so I have two, one for professional and then one for personal. I think for professional, it would just be that you don't know what you don't know. I tell students that all the time, just to stay open and always consider, um, be focused on learning, like always consider the next step, the next thing that you're like interested in and that'll lead you down your path. Um, so yeah, just knowing that you don't know what you don't know. And then I think for my personal life, um, for me, it's just count it all joy, you know, just take everything in stride and keep moving. Um, that's just how I try to like live day to day. Mm. So let's do something interesting. Um, last, last, uh, I think, Five episodes ago, I started this uh, new segment for this season. It's called Find the Pulse because every single show has its own pulse, its own energy, and is usually reflective on what happened last week or what the current mode or anything that of that nature. So if y'all two had to describe um, over the last weeks from today, right, over the last week, one word to describe the last week, uh, what word would you pick and why? Mm, say dedication because, okay. and mm. I would say dedication because... We're just at this point, even with like the brunch and then our personal businesses where it's like all this work that you've been putting in, it's like you may not always see immediately, you know, the results of that work. But that dedication is important because it takes dedication to turn that corner. And I feel like Britt and I are both at these places where we're trying to turn a corner in careers and in what we're um, producing for people. And all this week has been about being dedicated, whether it looks like it's up or down. You just got to stay <laughs> zoned in 10 toes down to what you're doing because if you give up too early you're screwed and then if you you know if you overthink it's just going to be bad so just dedication like stay dedicated and also i'm starting this 31 days of fitness because i turned 21 again and uh (laughs) yeah i wanted to dedicate for 31 days straight to kind of you know get my mind in a different place Mm, I love that. I love it. What's included in this 31 days of fitness? So every day you got to sweat like and really sweat like and push yourself. Um, be conscious of what you're eating, like no late eating. And if you do, you got to do the intermittent fasting thing where if you eat late, you can't eat until later the next day. So just trying to be dedicated to fitness and health, because I feel like as entrepreneurs, like 
you have to have discipline, but you also got to be healthy. If you're not healthy, you're not going to perform. Like you don't you you can't take a sick day like when you have a nine to five because like it's no such thing. Like you still got to be out here. So, you know, you just got to dedicate. Mm, not throwing it to you, B. Yeah, I would say my word for this last week would be perspective. And so when I think about um, uh, it goes back to that whole thing of like count it all joy, like things are going to come at you. Um, things will change like day to day, even moment to moment, sometimes in conversations like you think you're going down one path and then the conversation changes <laughs> and you have to really um, just already said it. But that whole mentality of like 10 toes down, being present and like just being able to control your emotions, control mm-hmm. your mental um, and have the appropriate perspective to like get to your end goal. Um, Jessica is so great in having as a business partner because she coaches me on doing that. Um, she's been in an entrepreneur much longer than I have. And so <laughs> as we're just, you know, starting to um, branch out and grow our partnership, having the the appropriate perspective, whether you're in corporate and entrepreneurship, even in your personal life, like your thoughts control your emotions and your emotions kind of lead like the direction that you're going to take action. So you have to just keep that perspective always balanced. That's so real. And question before we actually get into like the the start, we start always start with like the personal mm-hmm. stuff as far as like your background and, and stuff like that. How long have y'all been working together? How long have y'all <laughs> known each other? <laughs> we get this question a lot. Because y'all seem y'all got like a sisterly vibe. We do. We, we do. do. This, okay. So first of all, shout out to LinkedIn who yeah. actually did wow. its job and connected us, right? So we yeah. connected via LinkedIn. We were interested. Via LinkedIn? It's crazy. brought us together. It did. Yes. It did. When technology worked. Yeah. So how did that work? You just saw LinkedIn. It's like, oh, that's cool. Let's let's link. Like, First of all, as an entrepreneur, I'm hella scrappy. So like I have to hack and find people. And when I saw Britt, I was like, damn, she's. Then I saw her background. I was like, OK. And I was like, I want to connect with her because I know she knows what she's talking about. So then we ended up connecting and I saw her area code was 919. I'm like, I'm like yes like and then we just had so many other similarities that we just clicked that's what's up that's what's up that's that's phenomenal so all right let's uh let's jump into um let's jump into the backgrounds because i i I know and i'll start with you um i'll start with you jess um the background is is outrageous as far as you're really focused in the fit and taking space but before you even get to like your your focus Mm -hmm. and what even caused that focus can you give a share with our audience a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Yes. So I'm from Durham, North Carolina. Oh, you're from the yeah, Bull? Yeah, from the Bull. You went the Hillside? Nah, I went to Durham Academy, but you know. Oh, you went the D. Ah, oh, you yeah. went. Ah, you went Everybody over there. Says okay. That, yes, I'm an Academy <laughs> girl. Okay. But I'm still Durham. <laughs> and you know, I'm proud to be from Durham. Durham is the first Black Wall Street. I grew up in a place where there were a lot of Black entrepreneurs and a lot of Black people doing everything. We had a Black mayor. You saw Black-owned businesses everywhere. We had Black neighborhoods. So I kind of got my spirit of entrepreneurship from, obviously, my parents who are entrepreneurs, but also from being in Durham. Durham makes you feel like you can do anything. Like, it just makes you feel good to be Black and like, okay, I can do whatever I need. So, yeah, I thought I wanted to be a designer. Um, I was like, yeah, I want to design clothes. My aunt is a seamstress. She put me on to all that stuff. Like, she taught me how to sew and all that. And that sparked my interest in the fashion industry. Plus, I also like trying on clothes. Like, I will change my clothes with my mood. Nobody Uh can tell me what I'm going to wear because I wear what I feel like wearing because it's just an intricate part of my personality. Like, I have to have that. So that's how I even got interested in, like, fashion. Since I've been young, I Mm -hmm. just change clothes. It makes me feel good. Feeling fresh is, like, it's a very, like, people always think I have, like, some, like, deep 
reason why I got into this. I like clothes. And I just wanted <laughs> to wear more clothes. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. So now let's talk walk us through your background real quick of okay, graduate from North Carolina State University, yeah, fashion product development, right? And then you yep. go into a specific digital innovation and fit. And also too, let's take a step back. Can you describe what fit fit technology and all that is? Because uh, right now, um, some people may know, but a lot of us is like, yo, we just put on clothes. So, mm-hmm. can, and you got a master's in it. You got certifications. Right. Can you kind of break that down? Right. So, I'm going to give y'all the quick version so that our listeners don't get bored. So, <laughs> I graduated from NC State University um, way back when in fashion product development, meaning that we got educated on the entire supply chain. So, at State is one of the only colleges where you can see them like spinning fiber to thread and when you can like have the machines that cuts the garment and you can sew it upstairs you do that all in one business at the college of textiles it's its own campus it's amazing now um when i graduated it was shortly after the crash and so our job placement went from about 98 percent to 55 percent. so we already knew like those wow. jobs and opportunities were not going to be there so it's a lot of people that came out with me that aren't in fashion anymore but everybody got their roots there um i had worked in retail the entire time that i was in college so i worked for nordstrom So I kind of was like, I love clothes. I love being around it. And then when I came out of school, I started an online store. So I took a small loan from my parents and I was like, I worked at retail so much I can do this. So I worked at online store. And what I realized, this is way before like Instagram boutiques became a thing. But I realized like my return rates were less than 8% as it related to fit because I use actual people to promote product. Right. So like instead Mm. of just having models who look like models, I chose models who I thought represented my uh, demographic that I was going after. And then I chose pieces that I knew from working in Nordstrom were not readily available to everybody. So I wanted to dress girls who looked more like me because that's what Nordstrom was missing. So I did that for three years and I started to realize like it's a lot of things that aren't in place that won't allow me to like develop my clothing line or to kind of like do drop shipping because tech wasn't there. So I kind of got this thought like. Is tech going to integrate fashion? And if so, in what way? And how is fit going to play a part in that? So I moved to New York while my sister was at NYU. And I literally went from like owning my own business and feeling like I'm the boss to sleeping on her couch and working two internships to figure out, is this a problem with my little store or is this like an industry-wide problem? And everybody like, you know, why would you stop working in a store to go chase something else? But I genuinely believe when when it's time for you to move, you got to move. And you can't mm-hmm. always explain it. You pivot when it's necessary. Pivot quickly. I hated owning a store. But I mean, like, so I wanted to do something else. And I know it was kind of crazy to go from owning to interning, but it mattered. So when I was in New mm-hmm. York, I took some time out to intern. I realized, like, oh, yeah, they're not prepared for uh, tech integration. I'm like, I'm smart enough to do the tech side, but I don't see anybody bridging the gap. So then that is when I pursued, um, decided to pursue my master's at Cornell. Actually, one of my best of friends, Ashley, was like, you should go to Cornell. That's how she talks. I was like, for real? She was like, yeah, they have a program for you. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I ended up going to Cornell and kind of carving out my own master's. And what I wanted to study is how will tech integrate and um, influence fashion. And so I got Mm -hmm. to pick my own curriculum. So I took courses that were in business, in engineering and coding. I took computer science courses. I took ergonomic courses because what I wanted to do and um, consumer behavior courses What I wanted to do is have a really good understanding of how I could solve this problem of fit and technology. And so it allowed me to do that. And then I started writing about all this stuff when I was in undergrad because I was excited about it. And brands were like, oh, well, you know, we're having this problem. Can you help me? So that's how I kind of like folded myself into consulting. It wasn't I had no Mm. idea that I would consult. Um, 
I wanted to go to like work with a big brand, but then I just decided that, you know, okay, let's, let's chase this other white rabbit. I'm an entrepreneur. Let's go after it. So what a lot of people don't realize is like clothing is mass produced and it's not made for you. So it can be really difficult to find what you like. And as products move more and more online, there's a disconnect between how people relate to clothing. If you can't touch it, if you don't see it on somebody who mm. looks like you, you don't know how it's going to fit. So you're not very likely to try new brands. You're not very likely to buy new products. You're just going to stick with what you know. And that's a problem for the industry because right now over 25% of all clothing is sold online. So like we wow. have to get people to shop online and the disconnect that I identified was the fit problem. So I've been trying to like tackle this fit problem since I came out of Cornell in 2015. Like how do we resolve this? And when I did my thesis, um, I studied, you know, what influences the purchase decision as it relates to fit? Like what type of technology actually gets the person to making that purchase decision faster? And then what are the key characteristics of people and how do we archetype those people? So like um, all we're trying, all I'm really trying to do is make it easier for people to shop, period. Match people to product so that we can stop having so much waste and dead inventory. Because everybody's familiar with returns, right? So everyone's like, oh my God, it's a mm -hmm. lot of returns. But what people don't talk about is there's $50 billion worth of dead inventory. That's inventory that never moves. So like take a look at for Topshop. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, Topshop just closed, right? If I, I know that. Golly. Oh, you yeah. Just it's closed? a wrap. Yeah. Yo, I went in there yesterday, y'all, to shop, literally. And it was like zombie apocalypse in here. Clothes everywhere. <laughs> Terrible. It was horrible. And then they were like cash only. I was like, I'm out of here. Cash only. They, they, yeah. That's how they go go it's out. Like American apparel all over. Again. I was like, I hope y'all cash only. They're going out cash only. <laughs> Why are they going? I mean, the tax thing. They just trying to. They a big company they to be playing that move. They're bankrupt, man. So that's oh. it. That's it. They can't do no more. And the reason why they're bankrupt is because brands think that you can just throw product at people and they're going to buy it. They think that you can just set up your stores like they always have, and people are just going to navigate their way through through it. It's a total disconnect about matching people to product. So that is how I kind of started that journey and why it's relevant to me and how I kind of like stick with it. Mm, man, that was a, that was a lot in no show. And, uh, um, outside of that, I just took about just creating, like literally creating your own lane. We talk about it all the time on this podcast, but you exemplified that. And most importantly, the, the aspect of moving, yeah. like just move. move. You got to like everybody claim call on this faith thing. Yeah. But when God tell you to move, your, your feet stand right. still. But yeah. uh, it's, it's just crazy. So, Brittany, when you go to start on your journey, I know your journey is is a lot different. Your journey is a lot. It's, it's more on the corporate side, correct? So can you just break our audience down? Because you touched on it, formerly Amazon Fashion. Before you even went to Amazon, you were all over the place. Go kind of share with our audience a little bit about who you are and where you're from as well. Yeah. So I would say I started my career um, at North Carolina A&T, where I got mm -hmm. a lot of exposure, like in the finance space. When I went to school, um, similar to Jessica, actually further apart from the industry, I never thought I'd work in fashion. Um, a story that she and I share is like when I was growing up, I always was interested in creative careers. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to do hair. I wanted to like, <laughs> I just, I wanted to do everything. Cause I was, I've always been really, um, just enamored, right, by the way that women, like, pull themselves together. Like, that, just that culture and that art of how women present themselves to the world. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful to me. And I wanted to participate in that industry, but um, I didn't really know how. And my parents both worked in, like, finance and accounting. And so yeah. I went with what was familiar with me and what made sense. And so went to school, um, started out majoring in finance, did an internship um, in 2008 at Lehman Brothers. They went bankrupt that summer, which was like a crazy experience to be there in New York and like and it was living probably through crazy that. Crazy, Lemmy, because I mean, they had 
tenured employees and they they see their whole lives crumble in front oh. of them. And you probably just coming in like, what the hell is going on? Absolutely. Yeah. It was an insane experience to live through. Um, but it it all worked out um, because there I met a mentor who eventually brought me to Amazon. Um, so I went back to school after that summer, changed my major to supply chain management. Full transparency, had no idea what that was. It was just like <laughs> the degree program with the least number of courses that were different. So I knew I was going to graduate on time. And I was like, all uh -huh. right, I'll do this. I'll figure it out as I go. Um, but once I got into it, I was like, oh, this is actually really dope. Like I'm learning a lot about like consumer behavior. I'm learning about how products are made. I'm learning about like international business. Um, and then I ended up getting another internship at Harley Davidson. So I was in Milwaukee for six months. Milwaukee. Um, I know. Crazy. Hey, my um, mom from there, but Milwaukee's wild. It's, it ain't, it's, it's cold real different. and wild. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I have crazy snow stories. Cause you know, in North Carolina, it doesn't snow like that. Oh like when it snows in North Carolina, we kind of shut things down. Everything not in down. Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh, like gosh. that's another podcast, but yeah, <laughs> I was there for six months, was bored out of my mind, learned a lot, but like literally my internship was like supply chain planning for the nuts and bolts that put together the motorcycles. So all the custom oh. vehicles, I was like deciding how many thousands of like, fasteners we needed to buy for that year oh, um, hey, no, that, that don't sound exciting at all it wasn't but i learned what i needed to learn um mm -hmm. and also while i was there i got introduced to this whole idea of like apparel merchandising because the merchandising team also sat in the office where i was so i would spend a lot of time in there just like asking them questions talking to them trying to figure out like what they were doing so going back to school in my senior year i was like all right i don't know how i'm gonna like change my like career trajectory at this point but i just mm -hmm. took as many courses as i could in fashion merchandising textiles um and then like networked my behind off to like get into a training program so i started my career in corporate at belk just mm -hmm. in charlotte um did that for about two years left there went to another retailer in houston and then that same mentor um that i met at lehman hit me up one day and was like hey like I think you would really like Amazon fashion. Like, I think you should look at roles here. Um, and I kind of blew her off at first because I just didn't really understand the concept of what she was talking about. This was like in 2014. So nobody was talking about yeah. e-commerce like that. Nobody was talking about Amazon and fashion like that just didn't even compute to me. Um, and I just, I didn't yet recognize the significance of being like at a tech company um, that was trying to transition into the apparel space. So um, but after a few conversations, I like did a little bit more research, ended up at Amazon and the rest is kind of history. Um, but to Jessica's point about just, you know, being ready to move, I just finished a four and a half year stint at Amazon, um, worked on their retail team for the first two and a half years. The last year and a half, I worked um, on our global supply chain team for private label and product development um, and just throughout that entire process of my career watching e-commerce go from omni-channel retail to, as Jessica mentioned, just a force to be reckoned with, 25% of all apparel is now being sold online. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the reverse supply chain to contend with. We have just an entirely different way of moving products from manufacturing to fulfillment centers to people. Um, it's been crazy, like just in the short eight years that I've been working to see how much the fashion industry has changed as a result of that. And so I definitely believe that, you know, once you have developed your craft or you feel like you've 
earned your expertise in something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, being obedient to that idea of like moving and making sure that you're just whatever your spiritual path is, you know, I pray to God. So I always try to like align myself with obedience over outcomes and just knowing that like that path is laid out for you. So you have to move when it's That's time. That's a word. Yeah. And this yeah. is why me and Britt work so well together because I really value her experience in corporate. I love her jargon. I love how she can deal with people. Not saying I'm not a people person, but Britt is wonderful at client facing and talking to people and having those type of conversations. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, you're so siloed you forget mm-hmm. that you have to interact in a certain way. And she's so savvy with it. It We're just, we're a good match. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It definitely helps out yeah. when you have uh, you have somebody that, of course, y'all do y'all thing. You do your thing, but it's like, hold up. When we got with certain partners, et cetera, they can just take it and run with it oh, yeah. and go from there. And you can trust uh, them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different level of trust. Yeah. yeah. And that's neither here nor there. So question before we actually get, because I definitely want to start, because the next segment, what are, I'm going to give you all the layout where we're going to go with things. So we're going to talk um, next after this uh, little sideway real quick. Uh, Women of Color Fast Tech Brunch. Mm-hmm. Talk about the brunch and just in general the event. Then talk about the podcast. Then I got a couple of questions on culture and specifically in fashion and, and then diversity in fashion and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, not just from, an, from a race perspective, but also a gender perspective, because I looked over your website. It was from Starlin statistics about diversity etc so i want to get your thoughts on that and then we'll close the show so before i get to to the uh women of color fast tech brunch i know if y'all mentioned before Brittany, and i guess i'll get you to start this time can you briefly share a little bit about gift um and and what spurred that and then after Brittany goes and you can be uh meditating on this jessica i do want to to kind of um expound upon luxor and finch your consulting company um and and how that's been as a full-time entrepreneur, three years, three years working with, uh, actually you've been doing it probably longer than that, but how long you been in consulting uh, around? Around three years. Yeah. So I want you to go in on that because like I said, we got a mix of audience from entrepreneurs, some people in corporate. So I, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask a little bit about your personal endeavors, um, before we actually jump into the collaboration. So, uh, Brick, you take us away and what inspired you with the whole, um, with the gift movement? And then you can explain that. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about it or touched on it lightly, just Mm -hmm. shifting y'all through my collegiate career journey. But at the end of school, you know, I looked up and I'm like, I have this degree that I literally have zero intentions (laughs) on using after school. Like, I know I'm graduating and I'm super motivated and passionate about working in the fashion industry, but none of my credentials say that Mm -hmm. I belong there. Right. And so... I start applying for all of these roles and like executive training programs because that's what everyone tells you to do when you want to work in merchandising. And I was really worried that because I didn't have a fashion degree or I didn't have like a textiles degree um, that I wouldn't be qualified. But it turns out that once I started meeting more people like in these spaces and networks that having a diverse skill set in supply chain and really understanding that full pipeline, it was to my advantage and to my benefit. And so as I just continued on through my career, I just saw how in corporate, one, um, most companies are looking for smart people. So like that's baseline, like period, (laughs) full stop. Um, But in addition to that, I have always noticed how when you have um, a unique skill set or competitive advantage, 
it's really easy for you to look at problems and want to solve them differently, right? Like you just mm-hmm. have a different approach and you're going to um, use different inputs to get to a, a different outcome. Sometimes the outcome is better. Sometimes it's, you know, unique or sometimes it's worse, right? But it's just different. <laughs> and so companies yeah. need that. They need that diversity of thought. And so as I just continued on through my career, I realized that most of my counterparts who I saw who had like the merchandising degrees either entered the industry at a different point. So Mm -hmm. maybe they were entering the industry as a merchandise assistant or um, through like in-store retail versus coming directly into these corporate office pipelines that were developed. A lot of the students that I was sitting alongside or my peers in other training programs, um, they had business degrees, they had technical degrees, finance degrees. Um, And so that just gave them, again, that competitive advantage. And so there was this disconnect between what was happening in academia and what people were being prepared to do, right? And what you were being told you were going to graduate and do. Exactly. And what was happening in the workforce. Then as I just kept matriculating my career, I noticed some of the gender disparities that you talked about where several of, I mean, I don't think it was until the last two years of working in corporate um, that my senior level leadership was female. Um, and so knowing and this is that in the fashion space, yeah, this is in the fashion yeah. industry. I, I've only ever worked in fashion really. And so retail, um, knowing that 90 over 90% of the degrees that are awarded in fashion merchandising go to women. Mm-hmm. And then looking at the fashion industry and knowing that under 20% of senior level executives, are women that's like that's a huge how does that work if you <laughs> that is a really good question and so i think if you are sitting in that environment right like you start uh-huh. to ask yourself that question like how does how does how does that math work like something's happening in this pipeline where there's a problem and i mean we know about gender disparities in matriculation into management and every other part of like the business world. So like, that's not a surprise, but I think specifically in the fashion space where we know the customer is a woman, right? Like Mm -hmm. we know that she's not only (laughs) shopping for herself, she's shopping for her entire household. She has the largest share of wallet. Like we talk about her. We talk about the customer using the pronoun her because we try to think about like how she makes decisions as a consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't make sense to me that our management doesn't reflect that ideology. And so that was really like what's, bird the idea of okay one with gift i want to so gift stands for girls in fashion and technology um but one i wanted to solve that problem of making sure that students had exposure right so Mm -hmm. if you are like jessica and you're really interested in the fashion industry maybe you don't want to be a stylist or maybe you don't want to be a designer but if those are the only things you know about like those are going to be the paths that you pursue right so like we have to give people exposure um, to the full breadth of careers that exist in this space. Like there are literally thousands of things that you can do to be involved in fashion. Like you don't have to do the things that you see on TV. Um, so exposing students to that, but also helping their parents, right? Bringing parents along for the ride. I feel like that was um, the challenge that I faced. And okay. no shade to my parents. You, yeah, they're you awesome. You say fashion with parents, they think yeah, no money like, asking nah, me we for not stuff. Doing yeah. that. <laughs> they exactly. took that dream away. Yeah, like parents, I think Spike Lee said this, but like parents are the biggest dream killers like they and it's not because they, you know, want to hurt you or like they don't want what's best for you or they don't want you to pursue your dreams. But like 
they want you to be a fully functioning, self-sustaining adult. <laughs> and if they don't see a pathway for you to do that um, with what your dream is, they might shut it down quickly. You know what I'm saying? And so I just think exposure in academia is super important and making sure that people understand the intersection of creative careers and technology and like how that's going to change the landscape. Mm -hmm. um, it's super pertinent to fashion, but it exists across all careers. Like there's not a single industry where technology is not infiltrating like what's happening right now. And so I think the sooner that we're able to expose students to technology and understand how they can use it um, to leverage whatever their innate skills are, things that they're interested in and just have that competitive advantage that I talked about, like that's super important. Um, and then the other piece um, of gift is curriculum consulting. So helping schools understand what does that look like? So if you are a fashion merchandising program and you recognize that your placement rates don't put students in the careers that they believe they're preparing themselves for, like what are some of the gaps in curriculum that you see, whether it's like computer courses or programming, um, just exposure because the industry is changing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the curriculum and like academic piece is not changing with it. And then thing three is just researching and understanding what are the factors that are um, causing us to have these gender disparities that we discuss gender and racial but for right now we've only talked about gender so. yeah <laughs> you gotta start you gotta walk before you can crawl right it's easy to get in the door with the gender piece we already know that system you walk in with the gender piece and then you kind of switch the race you go on the race piece that door gonna close it's gonna close <laughs> fast to a certain degree to a certain degree but uh so now jess now while while you were in uh, now Brittany, when she was corporate she's building this program but you right. on the other side working on your skill set um and and starting your own business how was the last three years being and kind of work us through you've already kind of i read through it in the bio but from mm -hmm. your mouth what luxor and finch luxor and finch does mm -hmm. well, first of all why that name um it's an interesting name yeah. and then also too like the journey over the, when you from when you started to now Ooh, the journey we'll just start <laughs> with the name so the name yeah. um during my senior year in college i took a trip to egypt with this like group that all spoke Arabic. I was the only person who did not, but I wanted to go to Egypt since I was young. Um, and in Luxor, the city that's close to like Sudan, all the people were just so dope. They just mm -hmm. treated me like I was the best person ever. Everybody had this beautiful dark skin and pretty wavy hair and stuff. I was like, where is this place? So when I got back and I did my senior collection, I was like, I'm going to call my collection Luxor and Finch. I knew I wanted to like um, start a boutique. And I wanted the name to kind of be unassuming. So I picked mm. having two names. Luxor represented the type of woman who likes sexy stuff, leather, like all this dope things. Finch represented like a lighter, like lace and like dainty things. And since I'm a Gemini, I like the duality of nature. And at the time, I was thinking <laughs> that Luxor and Finch represented the duality of women. Women always have to be opposing things. You got to be sexy, but you got to be sweet. You somebody mama, but you somebody lover. Like, you know, you got to be praying, but you also got to, you know, do whatever it is you got to do. So the name kind of represented that. So as far as the last three years, um, <laughs> I think people think entrepreneurship is like this glamorous, wonderful thing. And I tell people, if this path didn't choose me, I would not have chose it. I don't think. I think that it is a it is something about it that's addicting. Um, there's always the perks of like, you know, I have this vision. I'm going to build it out. I work for myself. I can work from anywhere over the world, but you're really working really hard. And so the past three years, um, I was talking to a financial person about this yesterday. This is interesting. Past three years have been about outdoing myself, understanding my own limitations, like um, playing up my strengths and just never stopping. I think that um, it is not easy to get something off the ground. I view my business like I would a child. So right now I'm like 
my business is a toddler. Like it's walking mm-hmm. around, it's communicating, it's doing things, but it still has to be close to me. It's not quite where you can be like, I'm gonna leave you home alone and I'm going on vacation. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, I still got to monitor you, but you're up and you're running. It has taken a lot of dedication. First of all, I'm a black female and I work in tech and I work in fashion. So the first thing people think when they hear fashion is like, oh, you're dumb. Like you work in fashion because you're dumb and you just want to, you know, wear clothes. And it's like we work in a trillion dollar industry where you try selling something online that costs eight hundred dollars to somebody that's a multi multi sensory engagement piece. And you're pushing this product through the Internet. They never get to even touch. You, you got to convince them to take out their wallet. And you talk to me about what type of hustler you are. It's very difficult. Fashion is not a game. The supply chain is complicated. It's a lot of money. These are people's lives. One, one, one. So when you come into the room, you're a black female and you don't look, you know, you don't look like the normal or like, well, you don't look like you work in tech or you don't look mm-hmm. like this. You get a lot of pushback. So I've had to deal with a lot of pushback just from saying that you're in tech and you're not a coder. But my thing is like the, my strength is I'm a um, high level strategist. I see the big picture. I understand where we're going. And I love taking things from infancy into actual like greatness. That is what I like. That is what I can do. That is what my vision is for. I don't need to code. I can mm-hmm. hire a coder. You know, I mm-hmm. don't need to be the engineer. I can hire you and I can tell you exactly what you need to do. The difference is you can't tell me how to do my job. You can't just, you can't train somebody how to have a vision. You can't train them how to take all these little pieces of from working in retail to owning a business to leave in that business, to understanding what this industry needs. Those are some things that cannot be taught. So those last three years have been, it's been interesting because you, you constantly build and destroy. You build and destroy mm. and you try it again. You fail a lot, which is cool. And then you try other things and you keep going. And people are always there being like, why you just want to do so many different things? It's like, that's what I want to do. That's how I got here is from diversifying my skill set and quickly understanding this is not the route that we're going to go. It has been a blessing and like Britt touched on, and you said this earlier, it's a different level of faith to say, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to trust it and meet God halfway. I'm going to jump out here and get it done. And I ain't going to worry about nothing else. You know, like everything that's stored up in heaven is going to flow out to me. Cool. But I've also like, it's a lot of manifesting. It's a lot of meditating. It's a lot of tears. Sometimes I just read this article that was like, entrepreneurs are depressed. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) I was like, yes, we are. We are depressed sometimes. Like, so it's been interesting. It's a self-discovery journey. And it's also holding on because three years ago, I was too early in this industry. Three years ago, nobody cared about fit, nor could people connect fit with low conversions, with um, going bankrupt, with all these issues that you're seeing. So now people are like, okay, let's discuss this fit thing. And being that I'm so niche, it puts me in perfect position for it. And I would say, always go niche, get as specific as possible on what you're going to do and what you specialize in, because that has saved my life. Yes, when you're early, you're out here writing articles and building content. But when you when the time comes, you are the expert in that field and you have built it up. You've put in them hours, you've studied, you've written, you've done everything you can. So then when people are like, what can you do? You're like, okay, let me flex. Let me show you, like, let's mm-hmm. roll. But again, like being a black female, I always tell people it never hinders me from being a black female, I think it's the best thing you can be when you walk in a room, but mm-hmm. you get a lot of pushback and you got to learn how to just push past it. And um, that's actually exactly why we even got together to form the brunch. Cause we felt the same way. Me and Britt, when we finally did link up or just chat, it was like a breath of fresh air to be like, you're in this industry. 
you're so dope. You're cool. What do you think about this? Let's bounce ideas. Let's try to get something done because a lot of people claim to collaborate. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm all about women and blacks and blah, blah, blah. But then when you see them, they don't even speak to you. And you like, yeah. word. So that that has been an interesting thing as well. So, yeah, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, nah. And you segued right into, um, you say right away where we wanted to go as women of color, uh, wow. fast tech brunch, because at the end of the day, uh, you hit on the head at the end. Um, a lot of times, and I was going to ask you all earlier, but specifically in the, the black women culture, there's a stereotype in women culture, but that it's hard to work with one another. And, but you've also seen online a lot of stuff going viral on collaboration. We love each other. We got to build. But then it's like the people that say that are the people that never build. They like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird conundrum. So can y'all explain to our audience and whoever go first and do y'all thing or it can be a joint, whatever, uh, the women of color fast tech brunch, what it is. And also most importantly, what makes you excited about it and how can it be different? Because if you look online, there's a lot of brunches going on. There's a lot of, um, pseudo collaborate, like you said. So, what makes y'all unique? What make what gets y'all excited about it, and what is it? Yeah, so we are super excited about this brunch for all the reasons that just said. Just finding people and being able to connect with them in the industry, people who can validate your experience, people who can be like, "Girl, I see and I know and I understand what you're going through." Mm -hmm. I think for us. Um, we had no idea that this event was going to turn into a series of events. Yeah, because like, when I told you last time, I just thought it was going to be a kickoff. We're going to do the South by Southwest. And now I look online. Yeah. We're going everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how it happened. Like in August, first of all, you asked us earlier and we never really answered the question when Jess and I met. We met last August. What? And I then thought y'all known each other for years. No, we met last August. But see, when you're, you know, when you're doing that, obedience over outcomes like god will put people Ooh, in your life gave and gave like, me the show title man things will just over outcomes. Ooh, yeah man, making it easy for the boy yeah yeah it's just like i feel like god will position you like wherever he like you'll inherit the things that he has for you and so i just i don't know like the relationship that jess and i have is like super special and it has really like I don't know. It's opened some doors for us People and just made some things happen that we couldn't. <laughs> that did <laughs> happen to us. We were at the brow bar. No, seriously. And this lady was like, so wait, what's going on with the, your relationship here? And we were like, mm, only because we complimented each other. Stuff? And this is the problem. People think, going back to what you said about like, it's hard to work with black women or stuff black like that. Women. Part of mm -hmm. that is true because there are a lot of hurt black women. And we'll just, but yeah. what makes our brunch unique is number one, we're going to hug you when you come in. We're going to thank you personally. We're going to know your name and we're going to treat you like, thank you. We are happy that you're here. This is for you. Number two, at our brunch, we want you mm -hmm. to exchange with somebody. We want you to have a trade for. We want you to leave with something. It's not just about like, oh, we're having a brunch so y'all can think we're dope. We're having a brunch because we need these networks in place. And we want you to feel comfortable to reach out to us, mm -hmm. reach out to the person that you were beside. We create dialogue. We have every, We have this testimony part of our brunch that, Everybody really mm -hmm. loves. We just ask everybody to like kind of stand like up church. and like say their name and why they're there. And it is like the most beautiful part of our brunch because people really get into that. They want to talk about, you know, this is what I've been feeling in the industry. This is what I need. Even if it's somebody that's like, I need a job or I need to connect. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Just stand up and say that. And I think that I don't know about other events, but you could ask, you could go through our email list and, and poll them and ask them like, why do you like this brunch? Like, is it really what they say it is? And I guarantee you 100% of the people would be like, absolutely. Because we not fake. Matter of fact, we even talked about that in one brunch. Like, networking 101, <laughs> when you see another black woman or a woman of color, period, smile. 
period. You want to know why mm-hmm. people may not feel open enough to come work with you or talk to you? Maybe you scowling. Smile, do a nod. You know the black person nod, like, hey, I see you, black person. Yeah, do something like, like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we embody that at our brunches. It's not for us alone. It is for everybody there to feel like y'all really got a community because it is hard to find support in this industry. And you can go faster together. So that's what we believe in. Yeah. Yeah. And really just like creating that energy, right. That you want to like get back. Like if you enter into a room and like you're, you don't like the energy, like you have the power to change that energy. Like you don't have to just accept like the places that you walk into and like operate in that space. And so for us, it's all about just bringing together entrepreneurs, innovators, influencers, anybody that's in the fast tech space. Like we genuinely care about what you're working on. We want to give what you're working on a platform with other people who understand your experience, know what it feels like to walk in a room and say, I work in fashion tech, but you got on a red lip and some Louboutins and people are looking at you like, girl, you don't know anything Mm -hmm. because you're a black woman. Like that is a very real lived experience Mm -hmm. that we all can share. And so knowing what that feels like and then wanting to use your expertise to like collaborate with another woman who can share that experience and like knows that feeling and like leverage her expertise to create something bigger and better and greater so that we can all network to like grow this industry. Like the pedagogy of fashion technology is like still relatively new, right? Mm -hmm. So like what that will become, what that will be five years from now, who knows? But we're laying the groundwork now to ensure that if the 50 women we put together in a room in every city across the country know one another and they can leverage each other to like continue growing their businesses, then we'll be that much further ahead in five years than what we would be just trying to do it on our own and relying on allies to to help us. <laughs> and we think, so I do want to be clear because we got pushed back on this mm-hmm. in our February brunch. Yeah. We think allies are super important. You have to have that open dialogue and communication. Um, but the real purpose of the brunch is for support and just like leveraging that network. And, and also to your point, empowering women to know like, sis, you don't have to just inherit the energy that you like enter into. You can change it. Like, Make sure that you are like bringing the energy. And everybody who's at the brunch wants to be there. So it's like, I think it's great that the way we set it up, it's like people come who really want to connect. So you, it's not like at a conference where it's like, I'm just here because my company made me come. It's like, no, I I pay for this because I want to come. I want to share this experience with other women because I want to help and I want to be helped. And I think that's a great part about it as well. I love that. I want to be helped. And the testimony allows people to see because a lot of times at conferences, specifically at conferences, it's so big that it's hard to really showcase and share how you want to yeah. get helped or what you need. Mm-hmm. Like you just, and then sometimes you haven't built a vulnerable atmosphere where people are open to be like, hey, I need mm-hmm. a job. Like I'm here because right. I really need a job. Like that was my last Absolutely. 50. Absolutely. So, that is so it. true. And I think, yeah, even with the entrepreneurship piece, like when you're an entrepreneur, you're so used to walking into spaces, right? And selling yourself, selling your business, talking about like the value that you add. But you need support, too. Like, you need spaces where you can say, you know what? Like, this is hard. Like, this is the hurdle I'm facing right now. Like, who can help me with this? And I think that's a very real experience that all entrepreneurs go through. Um, And being able to let down that armor and say, like, yes, I add value in a lot of ways. But, like, I also need help. Like, that's a real thing. I also think we're in good timing because conferences are overwhelming and they don't produce quite the results that people want. Mm -hmm. Not for the brand, not for the attendees. And I think people are craving more intimacy within their like um, networks. Mm-hmm. So I think that we provide that level of intimacy, but we also 65% of people that come to our brunches are executives. We get people from the top fashion and retailers um, companies from all over. 
They send representatives. They want to be present. They want to not only hear, but they want to, you know, recruit. They want to connect. So that is more valuable for people being on that one-on-one level with them versus bumping into them at a conference, trying to take a picture of their tag and then being like, can I email you? And it's like, no. So we try to, (laughs) you know, alleviate that issue by just making a space where you can have conversations. So much of our brunch is like, go network. You can eat, you can testify and listen Mm -hmm. to this panel, but go chat with, you know, it's like church. Tell your neighbor something nice and y'all go talk. Yeah. <laughs> quick plug, quick plug. Help. When do y'all, when is the next event? Cause I know y'all have something coming up, but I want to hear you. When, when's the next event? Yeah. So our next event is on Saturday, June 29th at the W Beverly Hills. So we're at coming to w. LA. It'll be, yes. <laughs> so we'll be doing our second West Coast event. We just hosted uh, our first West Coast event in Seattle at the W Bellevue. And so we're continuing that partnership. Um, and we're super happy that they see the value in what we're doing. Hey, so I got to be like excited. y'all when I grow up, man. We done been, we done been all across the country. He ain't never, I ain't, I stepped foot in the W one time, <laughs> one time. Y'all, y'all ain't even started the podcast. I need, <laughs> I, I need, I need that. That's what's up, man. So also, um, real quick, I know you mentioned this, uh, you mentioned this briefly, but I do want your thoughts on it because I think Brittany, you, you, you played in a role where corporate, where you, a lot of, I mean, your job was to be an ally of sorts. So now mm-hmm. Um, as y'all go on this road, how do you navigate um, allies when the brands are participated participated on women of color? Right. So how do you how do you leverage companies that really don't have a like how, the, the ally? Because I see a lot of times where companies start off um, they start off for the for the culture for the people, and then sometimes you do sometimes you may need a little outside help. And when I say help, I mean not necessarily on the planning, or whatever, but maybe they have resources. Maybe y'all can meet each other halfway, but what is your thoughts on the allied culture and getting assistance? Um, what does that assistance look like and how can y'all make it work that everybody knows what's what's going on? I know that like convoluted assistance question, yeah. from brands or like assistance within these corporations. Uh I'm more so like on a on a brand okay. perspective. Yeah, so I think so I'll start. <clears throat> I think part of it is just about transparency, yeah. right? Because when you're starting those conversations and you're starting those negotiations around, you know, what can I do for you and what can you do for me? Um, I think a lot of the conversation changes and pivots when you're able to be transparent and clear about like what it is that the goal is. And so we've seen that a lot where we have, you know, brands that will approach us and they'll want to be a part of the brunch um, and they may not necessarily be representing women of color, but they are allies for women of color. And so um, we feel really strongly that those relationships are important because if we don't leverage our allies and we don't have open and honest communication about what those relationships are, what they look like, how they help us, how they hinder us, then it's really just all the women of color like corralling together, right, to talk about what our challenges are. But we need allies to like move this issue forward, to really understand the intricacies of the plight, not just from our perspective, but from other perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of those things are going to be a part of the solution. Um, I do though feel that you have to be careful in those conversations to not give away your power. And so that mm. to me is like what do you mean by that? understanding and yeah, just understanding and knowing your value, right? So when those same allies come to the conversation or come to the table telling you, trying to like push their agenda or trying to um what's the word I'm looking for? If they're trying to push their agenda or if they're trying to essentially like help you communicate, navigate, dictate the issue. (laughs) 
I think that becomes problematic, right? Yeah. Like you should always be driving the conversation, like for what the issues are, what the solutions are. Um, and I think if you have allies that are willing to listen, then those are healthy relationships and positive relationships that that can be solution oriented. Um, but you definitely have to be engaged with allies who are open to listen. And I think that's like the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take it here. Let's take it here. Y'all have a podcast that y'all debuted. First and foremost, how was the South by Southwest experience? I, I never got a chance to follow up with y'all on that. Like, how That's was very that? Funny you asked <laughs> that. South by Southwest was great for our brands. However, mm-hmm. we went through with a lot of, uh, you know, people who started business go through. Sometimes you have to cut people and deal with le- legal things. So um, it was very interesting that it was actually. Can I tell this story, Britt? Can I just abbreviate it? <laughs> Okay, so what happened yes, was I'm this quick. we're going in the South by Southwest. We had another partner and we got slapped with a lawsuit literally the day we're all like flying in, which was very interesting because sometimes you'll do business with people and they have other <laughs> ulterior motives. Um, although South by was great for our personal brands, I'm not sure they're in support of women who look like us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said it. That's right. They're not in support of us. A lawsuit the day yo I know y'all like yo we we just come here just to have this a good to, time what I, yeah we just come in here to have a conversation have a good time, have a good time. fashion and tech but a lawsuit y'all haven't even jumped the podcast and it was a lawsuit <laughs> to get extra time on the South by Southwest stage which isn't even real yeah it was, it was a bogus lawsuit but nonetheless it happened we had legal teams involved it was really crazy but you know all things work together yeah. man like you just gotta. It was good. Keep yeah, moving. because Count you know what? Joy. The blessing was that we were there and that we were able to expand our network and our businesses by being on that stage. People cared about what we talked about. People showed up for our event. Mm-hmm. That made us feel special. And great things have come from that. Now, Brittany, will we go back? Um, I am not sure that we'll participate again in that format. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. anything's possible. I think, unfortunately, that is what happens sometimes when I, I feel like the, when the events get too big and too spaced out and yep. it becomes more of a, like, it's a brand thing. Like a grand thing is, is cause you need that on your, on your, your, your profile yeah. thing. Hey, we present it. Boom. But then when you go there, sometimes it can be like oh smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And then the people there smoke and mirrors, not like the event, mm-hmm. but like, yo, I'm here. Cause I've had friends that, I mean, they, a lot of money went into stuff and they go to a room and they, they made a bad mistake of not promoting themselves mm-hmm. that as much. Nobody's there. They're like, yo, I came to South by Southwest. I'm on the panel, diversity panel, mm-hmm. black panel. Ladies. It's like, yeah. yeah, but at the end of the day, luckily, like I said, luckily y'all have the, the bright minds to say, hey, we can still package yep. this. And for, but that's the crazy thing about certain industries. It's good and mm-hmm. bad that you can package stuff in a way where you can get funding, you can get stuff off the grip. And it's like, hold up, man. You got people that really haven't even put in a yeah. lot of work. But I guess mm-hmm. that's the value of partnership and with the right people because you get the right rides in the room. You can just have a a, a a a a blog with like twenty posts, but you have it put the right way and you get the right strategy on Instagram, and all of a sudden you well, got partners. I, I will say that the right partnership, you can do anything, and that's why I mm-hmm. really love and respect Brit because we came into South by with like ten things against us, including broken nails and bad Uber drivers and all that stuff. But it's like <laughs> having someone who helps you and reminds you that we're going to make something out of nothing no matter what. That's what hustling is about. 
That's what like, you know, trailblazing is about. That's what forging your mm-hmm. own path is about. You got to make something out of nothing. And it was like at several times during South by one of us was like, no, we're going to be all right. And we're going to take the high road. What did Michelle Obama say? You know, they go low, we go mm-hmm. high. So it's, it's good. Like no matter what gets thrown at you, you got to always see the bigger picture. And we were able to work South by for our favor, regardless of every single obstacle that, you know, came against us. We had a room there. We recorded our first podcast there. Mm-hmm. We did it. It was lit. Um, we met great people and we were like, all right, we may not ever come back again, but we got everything that we came here for. Mm. Mm. So now can you, can y'all share with our audience? Um, I don't know if it's launched just yet, but the podcast, what it's going to be about, because we've already talked about the brunch and that movement is yeah. expanding outside of uh, Los Angeles. They, they have some other dates in the future and we'll, we'll on the show notes. We'll have all that information in the future. But tell us more about the podcast, like what it's about, what can people expect and all that good stuff. So the podcast focuses on um, Will Tech Fix Fashion. And we both have experience with fashion and fashion tech. We're just highlighting when tech integrates into fashion and is successful when it's not. We have um, two different, three different segments, right? Statement pieces. Yep. Mm -hmm. Diet diversity. And... um, Mm -hmm. Will Tech yeah. Fix Fashion, which is just where we highlight different technology and entrepreneurs and businesses that right. are in that space. And so our goal is to just highlight all the cool ways that tech helps and when it hurts and what goes wrong. Our, my favorite part is the diet diversity piece where we kind of get to like read the industry when they get diversity wrong. And like, because, you know, right now it's a buzzword. Everyone's talking about, yeah, we're so diverse, but it's like, okay, but we're still doing black face sweaters. So how diverse are we really? So we get to talk about those topics openly. And kind of discuss like what's mm-hmm. really going on. What does it look like? Who's just using it as a buzzword, and then who's getting it right? So that's that's going to be fun. Mm. Mm. Is it already available on all platforms, or is coming? Yeah, so we have three episodes available on all platforms, um, as well as a teaser. If you don't have time to listen to the full version, um, but our full first season will be available after. Uh, what month is this? In June, in July, after our next brunch event. And y'all doing, so y'all just going to drop the whole season, Netflix style. Yeah, we're yeah. dropping one whole season, <laughs> Netflix style. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Check it out. Okay, okay. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. That's some it, exciting stuff. It's for, uh, <laughs> but we want to also make it for, you know, people who are working in the industry and need to have that overall scope of what's going on with fashion tech, what's going on with diversity. Like, we want you to come and under, get to hear our individual expertise and then like just our take on the industry and what we think is valuable for somebody working to know. So it's going to be very um, entertaining, but also educational and um, gives, you know, we're trying to open doors and, and keep fashion tech on the forefront of people's minds and um, businesses. Mm. So what the, before we, before we end that session, what is uh what is the name? And again, like how do like, what did any people need to type in? Yeah. So you can type in WTF space fashion. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll make sure I have that direct link to all the platforms in the show notes. So as we as we come to a close, we got a uh, we got a rapid fire round, but I did want to ask a couple a couple just culture related questions because, like I said, I know majority of y'all your emphasis right now is sitting around fashion, sitting around technology, etc. So from 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 a variety of different perspectives, because I'm just seeing from the outside looking in. Um, there, are, I know a lot of young women, unfortunately, that are uh, uh, love fashion. They graduated with fashion degrees, but it's still really hard out there to get in, get in space. So outside, of course, finding your way to 
uh, a women of color fast tech brunch, if they can't make it to the brunch, what if they're on the East Coast, what is the future? What does the future of the industry look like as far as opportunities for people of color? Is it all reliant on certain individuals like yourselves to step up or do you see the industry turning to, for, for, for that? Well, I'll, I'll say um, we see a lot of companies that are actually creating departments that are heavily focused on recruiting um, more diverse individuals and not just diversity of, you know, your race and your color, but diversity of thought. So I think that people are interested in kind of, I hate to say filling a quota, but at least mm -hmm. that gets people in the door. So they're hiring more people of color to be in these positions to try to like scout and help bring other people in the door. But like, that's also what we're doing. And we're actually co collaborating with a lot of great people. Like Misa Hilton has a um, fashion education program for students and she's mm -hmm. basically preparing them for careers in fashion. And so like Brit works with them to understand what, you know, at their curriculums and what they need to learn. Like, we're trying to add those pieces on to what we're doing. And that's what our network is about. Just holding people accountable to say, hey, we're in these positions. Let's get more of us there. What would you say, Britt? Yeah, I think, um, well, of course, my response would be that education is going to mm -hmm. be like a big piece of mm -hmm. it. And I think understanding um, if you are a student and you're in school now, um, looking at your curriculum and saying like, okay, the creative piece, the aesthetic piece, like all that's cool. But like, if you in fact don't plan to be a creative director, or if you in fact don't plan to be a designer, like what are the components that are missing mm -hmm. from this curriculum um, that are going to inhibit me from successfully running a business or will inhibit me from successfully communicating with people who work in technology? So if they're the developers or the, or the coders or any of the people that Jessica referenced before, um, I think we're going to see a robust overhaul of curriculums in the next several years across like all fashion schools, fashion programming. Um, because my opinion is that a lot of these curriculums are outdated mm -hmm. and they're not preparing students for what the industry will look like three yeah. years, five years, 10 years from now. Um, so that's one piece. And then um, I think just more dialogue with companies about what it means to not only recruit diverse talent, but to retain diverse talent. Like, Diversity inclusion, like we talk about that a lot with like hiring, but once people are like at these companies, what does it look like to to create an environment where they feel like they can show up to work, be their authentic self um, and contribute for the reasons that you hired them? Like you want them bringing their perspective to work every day. Um, and if people aren't comfortable, yeah. they can't do that. So I think continuing the conversation and then the whole yeah, academic And we both went to um, institutions that have fashion programs so like we're really trying to get them involved as well mm -hmm. into understanding the importance of multidisciplinary um, education because the the fashion jobs of tomorrow will be tech integrated you will need to know the language how to speak to mm -hmm. people you don't have to know how to code code necessarily but you'll need to know how to talk to coders and if you do code that's great we want people to know that you don't have to you know move away from fashion if you have these really great technical degrees like we have a place for you here and we, mm -hmm. if you can think in both ways, you know, you can be a part of this. Mm. And our last question before the rapid fire round, and you've heard this question before, B, um, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself if you had an opportunity to kind of give some advice to your 21-year-old version of yourself? And you can, mm. see, being that you already done it, done it, B, you can go first. Uh, okay. Um. So I did answer this question um, at A&T. And so that was uh, 
Yeah, that was a really interesting day. That was a really good podcast. Um, I would say today, uh, be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, you don't know what you don't know. And I think your entire career, what I'm <laughs> learning to accept for myself is that your entire career is going to be an evolution. I think when you're in school or when you're young, like you just have this idea in your mind of like this destination that you're going to or arriving at. Um, and that when you get there, like, you know, you'll feel successful or you'll feel good about your career or you'll feel, you'll just feel a certain way. And I think it's just all an evolution and you have to celebrate all the small wins, all the small victories along the way. Um, and just keep looking back and learning, but like, don't get stuck. Just like be patient with yourself, keep growing, be hungry and like thirsty for knowledge. Um, That's something that I definitely take to heart by watching Jessica and how she's developed her consulting firm. Like she just never stops learning every single day. Um, She's reading more. She's trying to understand more. She's like just (laughs) writing more and always trying to contribute. That that whole, you got to make that a gift. (laughs) (laughs) But she's constantly contributing to um, just the body of knowledge and the body of work in the fashion technology space. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, girl, you're welcome. It's, it's the truth. And I think just if I could tell my younger self, um, anything, it would just be to be patient and just do the work and like everything that you're building will like fall right into place. Mm. Amen. Uh, I would tell my younger self, get over yourself early and then be kind to yourself. Mm. Because if I would have known I was going to go on this entrepreneurship journey, maybe I would have read all my self-help books earlier. But I think that is um, get out your own way, like whatever your habits are that are going to keep you from getting to what you want. Get rid of them early when you identify them. If others identify them, listen, you know, uh, don't take everything so personally with it. But like, you know, better yourself. And I would say also be very kind to yourself. You're going to fail, boo. I think I should have told myself that because I was a very high achiever and life came easy for me. Grades are easy. Schoolwork is easy. I was one of those people that like. I didn't have to study and I could probably still get a minus B on stuff. So when entrepreneurship came mm-hmm. and you fail and fall on your face so many times, you don't know how to deal with that when you're used to winning. But I think like you're still winning, but be kind to yourself like and, and celebrate your wins and pat yourself on the back and learn how to be in a healthy relationship with yourself. Like it's good to be critical because you need it but it's also good to be like you're doing a great job let's just take a day to eat ice cream and sit on this couch and relax because the problems resolve themselves like let's not isolate ourselves so much like when we're feeling upset i would have told myself a couple of those things because i think i can be um my greatest critic and also pun i used to punish myself like oh we didn't get this task done punishment but now it's just like listen it'll get done just (laughs) you know love yourself a little better Man, that's some very thoughtful and, and very applicable advice to everybody that's listening to the show. So we reached the end and now we have our rapid fire round. I asked a series five rapid fire questions and hopefully we can get rapid fire answers. Y'all ready okay. to rock? What's the best piece of advice that y'all have never received? Mine would be, hey, put your head down for it. Three good years. Don't worry about a relationship. Don't worry about anything. If you grind at the end of that grind, there's a silver lining and a rainbow for you. Just focus. If someone would have said that earlier, I would be greater, faster. I've gotten a lot of advice over the course of my lifetime. And so I can't think of anything that I haven't heard from somebody. Really <laughs> heard it all. Is that an answer? 
She's I've heard, heard it all. all. I'm she telling you. All. If you could right. add one habit and take away one habit, what would it be? Ooh. I'm telling you. So my habit, I would take away <laughs> these eating habits. Like, Brittany, you act like you just I, like, what? Nah, let her explain no. herself. Okay, listen. Let me tell you about <laughs> this over 30 hill. Like, it's real different on this side of the aging process. So <clears throat> rapid fire. Living in Seattle, you become much more conscious of your quality of life and just the things that you eat. And so noticing that from North Carolina moving to the mm-hmm. West Coast, Actually, Texas moving to the West Texas. Coast. Um, yeah, I would have to change my eating habits. That would be the thing. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. So <laughs> Can't, that's yeah. you're gonna break history uh-huh. doing that. Brittany. Brittany can throw down. She's hella fit, but she she be eating and I'm like, Brittany, if I eating. stay here doing this with you. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> what was the question? If you could add okay. one habit and take away I need one to habit, add what would the be? habit of waking up at five AM every day. I need that. Like, if I could do that, I would yes. add that. If I could take away a habit, it would be like this nervousness that I get when I have to answer emails I don't want or talk to people on the phone when I don't want to. If I could eliminate that, I'd be pretty, I'd probably be more thorough. Girl, yeah, I get a little anxious. Yeah, I'd be yeah, like, oh, I don't want to. You never notice I'll um, send things to you like, Brit, can you handle this? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that- so I did notice that. <laughs> Didn't know you were anxious, but now I know. Um, I think the habit, the habit I would add um, mm. going to bed on time mm. would definitely be mine. So just mm-hmm. mentioned, I wake up at five every day, but I don't always go to bed on time. So I, I deprive myself of sleep and like, that's not good. Oh man. Even on weekends? You wake up at five? Not always on the but weekends. Monday, but Monday like, through Friday, like you ain't, there's no, okay. I gotta be up. I gotta like, yeah, get to that's it. That's what's up. That's exciting. That's what's exciting. All right. <clears throat> uh, la- what is your favorite book and why? Your faces, man. Y'all faces, man. I gotta start doing. I gotta start keeping the video warm more often, man. I'll be seeing. I'll be seeing some crazy stuff. These last. Um. Okay. So I'll go first. So I have a lot of favorites. Uh-huh. I'll tell you a favorite that I've read most recently. Yeah. Um. Eloquent Rage. I think that book is amazing. Um. I read it at the end of last year, and um. I think it's incredible because it takes all the things that we're feeling as black women, um, the way the world treats us, the way society, you know, has conditioned us to think about ourselves, for other people to think about us. And it just it articulates it in such beautiful language. I think every woman should read it um, to just have the language to talk about the things that she struggles with. It's like an amazing book. Mm. I would say Iceberg Slim. The story of my. No, I'm just kidding. That's a horrible book. I started reading. I, was like, I, can't read it. <laughs> I think my favorite book of all time right now is this book called a general theory of love it was written by doctors about the wow. absolute like scientific need for love and affection and what happens when you don't give it and why like we're programmed to be more loving but we exist in a society where like we don't get to always like have it and that book like changed my perspective on just like emotions and care and like empathy and all that and i really like that can i say two books sure okay thing. Okay, cool. If she says two, I have to. And so, like, <laughs> go ahead. Because I've never heard these yeah, books. So, it. like, yo, this is, this is dope so, for our audience. The other book that I like is The Untethered Soul. The Untethered Soul is this book that teaches you, like, every voice in your head is not your own and how to separate the voices that are not your own so that you can focus on the things that you need to and kind of, like, um, encourage yourself better. And in fact, I feel like that book is a great starting point for anybody who wants to open their thoughts into, like, 
you know, what does life look like when I treat myself better or when I'm not stressed or if I'm anxious all the time? Mm. Like a, um, that the untethered soul is like really dope for that. Um, so my second book would be Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm -hmm. Therapist recommended this for me. And I read it twice last year. Um, and it really just talks about like self-actualization, um, what it means to have your like emotional health and spiritual health aligned. Um, and just the freedom that you have from being able to walk in that. And like, you know, there's all these books about like religion, <laughs> religious theology, um, how we relate to one another, et cetera, et cetera. But um, this really goes through like the hard work of like, unlearning like recognizing acknowledging and then unlearning the things that you've learned as like your social norms behaviors um things that you inherited spiritually or otherwise from your family um you know in the bible like god talks about how you'll inherit things to the third and fourth generation like just understanding and conceptualizing all of that and then crafting the identity that like you want to like walk through life i think is so important so i would recommend for anybody to read that mm. Love that, love that, love that. All right, our last two is the. Actually, let's go to our last one. If you're the president of the United States, what's the first thing you would do? Mm. Oh, reparations. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 I would roll back some of the powers of these corporations. Period. And I would make them responsible for all this trash that's everywhere. I would tax them and I would tax their future generations for the sins of their parents and their grandparents who all got rich off slave labor and things like that. They owe this country a better service and they owe us some type of reparations like Brit, Brit said for them amassing wealth at the expense of other people. Yeah, you got to mm -hmm. like reparations on one side is cool, but they got to get yeah. taxed as well. Like like you just can't because then yeah. it, nothing changes. I mean, yeah, and then uh -huh. also to these finance corporations, these banks, they got to be held Absolutely. accountable to the trash people. But definitely these banks, I, this it, it can go on for days as far as these you bailouts know, and out of out of it's just every yeah. That's a man. This is turning into a whole uh -huh. different podcast. All right, so we done with that, man. So every <laughs> every single person that comes on this show, um, always answer. This is outside of rapid fire round, but this is always critical to the show because I started this podcast really just to change the culture specifically for the communities of color and this show this, this question is right out there so if you could change one thing about society most specifically our african-american culture uh what would it be and why mm. y'all gotta sound deep on this this is the last junk of the show i would change <laughs> the way black men value themselves because it affects our entire community period and i would change how they value themselves what they consider love all these strange things they've been taught about being too tough or just the level of ignorance and I'm not coming down on them. I think black men are beautiful and necessary pillars of our society, but I would change their strength, their emotional strength and capacity because I think we need them to be strong so that our family structures are stronger and so that we can kind of progress sometimes, not even in a relationship sense, just like working beside them and, and having them for support. Like I think, I don't know. I read this book called the boy crisis and I think they need more uh, support. And I think everybody should read that book. I think what I would change is that um, like if I had a magic wand and could just like make it happen, I'd make mm -hmm. sure that we all knew our history. I think it's like so important. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of goes back to like where we started the podcast. Like Jessica talked about being proud that she was like from Durham and like knowing the history and the legacy of entrepreneurship there and like wealth building. And like, I think um, kind of along the same lines of what she's talking about. But I think 
for me, when I think about like some of the things that we struggle with, Mm -hmm. it's just because we don't know our history of greatness and like the legacy that we have as a people. We're so much more focused on, um, I guess, just like the negativity Mm -hmm. that's associated with our history and like believing that it started with us like being brought over here, like in ships and like. Mm. While that's important to know, like, I think what's more important is like that we're a triumphant people that we constantly overcome um, and that like we've been systemically oppressed and like that just doesn't diminish our greatness. And so I think if we focus more on that, it would just give us this inherent identity, right, of like and legacy of greatness. And like we could use that to propel ourselves and like move forward because um, it's yeah. all about perspective. Mm, what? So your history is important. Man, that's some phenomenal answers this has been a phenomenal show y'all y'all have made us laugh uh y'all y'all dropped jewels and shared a lot about the stories that i think a lot of people once they hear it specifically um the new audiences um that are in these spaces would would, would are going to appreciate and enjoy so with that being said first and foremost i want to thank y'all for giving us well over an hour of your time thank like you real real talk it's been it's been a, a privilege and an honor and i'm humbled uh that y'all here so as we close out where can everybody find more information about um your businesses podcasts events all that good stuff so i guess i'll start off with Britt, then um then jess and i'll close this out yeah so to find out more information about my business you can go to girlsinfashionandtech.com for our brunches you can check us out at wocftb.com or follow us on instagram at W-O-C-F-T-B. Mm-hmm. Yep. To find out more about Luxor and Finch Fit Technology Consulting, go to luxorandfinch.com um, at Luxor and Finch. And you can also follow my personal account at underscore Jessica Veronica underscore. Okay. Say less, say less. So my know the Trailblazer Nation, make sure once this episode drops, let people know you enjoyed the show, all that great stuff. And also too, as always, I need you to do two things and two things only. Number one, if you listen to an iPhone, you dare not leave out without leaving a review. So make sure you go ahead and drop that five yes. star on us. And then number two, make sure you're changing the freaking culture. Good night. Bye.